it's Wednesday the 19th of July. I'm Miranda Sawyer and I'm aware of the libel laws, Mr Musk. Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review, where we treat the British papers with the respect they deserve. Meaning we salute the scoops, delight in the reporting, take the mickey out of the nonsense and celebrate the times when the UK press gets it right which is more often than you might think. Remember, we're out mid-morning every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, so subscribe on your favourite podcast app and you'll never miss an episode. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. Boiled alive, heatwave in Europe brings hottest temperatures ever, how mobile phones can wreck relationships, and Nigel Farage is a disingenuous grifter. At least, that's what a report by his old bank coot says. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where we've written to Dear Deirdre and we're hoping for a reply. I'm Miranda Sawyer and here to dive into the recycling with me today is New Statesman columnist and bon viverine Marie Leconte. Hello, Marie. Hello. And also joining us is stand-up comedian and social media celebrant, <laughs> Athena Kublenu. Hello, Athena. Hello. So what have we got on the front pages today? Marie, what do we have? Uh, Today, so in the mail, we've got Top Bank lied over Farage claim, which is very dramatic. Um, (laughs) But then actually kind of more dramatic uh, was the telegraph saying Bank acts Farage as he doesn't align with our values uh, with a truly gigantic picture of Nigel Farage. Um, And then in the mirror, we've got Burning Up, which is obviously a different and arguably more serious topic with a big picture of a Greek policeman carrying a child away from a blaze. Okay, yeah, climate change. All right then, Athena, what do you have? Uh, With the Times, they're leading with legal fears over gender guidance for schools. Um, I didn't read the rest of it. I just couldn't bear it. I just, I can't. Um, No, not not today. There's Uh, also that picture as well, isn't there, from the same one in the mirror? There's a remarkable picture, actually. Uh, uh, Greek wildfires are temperature sure, and there's um, a young boy looking very hot just in a nappy being carried away from uh, clearly a wildfire. Um, It's concerning and dramatic. Yeah, it's the same one that's on the mirror and, yep, it's a nasty picture of that. It is. uh, The Guardian has led with revealed soaring toll of 28,000 convictions for COVID breaches. Um, Yeah, we've all... all did not uh, follow the guidelines and we all got done for it. Yeah, apparently Um, so. There there you go. And the, the star has led with... Hughes, a Willy Wonka. Um, they use the word Willy. This is, this is great. Always um, good. Always good. Uh, Hugh Grant is playing an Oompa Loompa. Um, and obviously this means that people who um, are might be more appropriate aren't playing a Willy Wonka. Yeah. Aren't playing an Oompa Loompa. Sorry. I just keep, keep saying Willy. And, <laughs> and the star is having this conversation. So I'm sure that will be balanced and fair. Okay, friend. Um, let's have a quick look. There's a migrant story. So on the cover of the Express, it says, PM, toughest ever law, sends clear message to... To migrants, which is essentially hooray for Rishi, you've got the migrant bill through. Whereas the Guardian uh, points out that this bill, which passed yesterday, will have profound consequences for people in need of international protection. And that's not the Guardian's opinion. That's actually that of the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights. Marie, they're never going to agree about this, are they? No, well, so I think the one thing the papers will always agree on is that migrant stories usually make the front page or, you know, so like have very prominent uh, coverage. But no, aside from that, they will absolutely never agree. And so, yeah, so I think, again, the interesting thing is that they both disagree, but both 
thing that it's very important, so which is why I think every time anything happens, all the papers in, in various different corners are sort of shouting about it. There's also the migrant barge, which is docked outside Portland in Dorset. It's actually been sent round the country because Liverpool wouldn't have it and Edinburgh wouldn't have it, but it's finally docked outside Portland in Dorset. And there's been a row between protesters, which is mirroring which mirrors the row between the Express readers and the Guardian readers. The Guardian-type readers were saying, actually, we like migrants, we don't think they should be on a barge. And the Express-type readers were saying, we don't want migrants here at all. But they were both protesting. Yeah. Oh, I did enjoy one of the papers uh, headlined that, Ardy Bardy. <laughs> I like the fact that this barge is now becoming the most famous famous boat in the world. It's almost it's more famous than the boat that blocked the Suez Canal. You know, it's turning into that. It's starting to be this iconic symbol of how we deal with migrants, and it's a barge that you'd normally bring in bikes and cheap tap from from whatever country's manufacturing it and now we're putting people in it. Um, and this barge is going to be a, a symbolic thing for for I think a long time to come. There's the same picture on the front cover of the Mirror, the Independent and the Times of a Greek police officer carrying a small child in front of a raging wildfire. Essentially, this is a forced evacuation from the child's home of the family because there's uncontrolled wildfires which are sweeping through forests near Athens for a second day. Temperatures across Europe are madly high. Rome hit 41.8 centigrade, which is 107.2 Fahrenheit in old money, which I can kind of get my head around. And Catalonia and Spain registered 45 degrees centigrade. As the mirror says, Europe is burning up as a result of the climate crisis. Marie, the climate crisis is, it's notoriously difficult for papers to, to cover because it's scary and it also takes place over a long period of time. Do you feel a change in how the papers are covering it? Um. Sort of. So I I think what's kind of interesting now is that there's such an obvious, both a human angle, but also a human angle that's close to home. Because I think previously, and even a few years ago, you know, all the stories about climate change were about reports coming out from the UN or experts saying planet is burning up, oh God, etc. All kind of advice on how to uh, lower emissions, etc. Whereas I think like this is very much like, oh no, no, this is happening right now and on your doorstep, I think from a news angle, makes it easier nearly to cover because people will care more as well. Like, you know, not to be massively cynical here, but one of the problems as well is that people don't massively care usually about big, you know, front pages about saying boffins warn that, you know, <laughs> that the planet will heat up. Now, not to side with the Daily Star here, but, you know, that is not something people usually buy. Whereas I think if you can go with the angle of saying these are human stories, that like these are people no longer able to live in their homes only a few, you know, 100 miles away from here, then that's, a lot more shocking. It's all like immediately interesting. Yeah, although I, mean, I have to say in the Telegraph, we've got a kind of different approach across the front of the of the Telegraph. We've got columnist uh, Alison Pearson who saying, first it was COVID, now we're all being scared into submission over the weather, I have to say. It's such a, it's such a mad strap line. Why do you think the Telegraph is going with that? Ah, <laughs> uh, I think so. I, I mean, I, I've heard before from friends at the Telegraph that actually Alison Pearson is a big driver of subscriptions. So you know, partially, I think it's a commercial de- decision, uh, but also, so, so I think. Hmm. So one thing I find weirdly interesting about this is that I, I have had the thought Alison had today before. So I remember. So I don't know if you remember. So not long after the pandemic, we had. 
uh, that massive storm. Um, and you saw like the strongest winds Britain had seen in like 100 years or something. And that was the first time ever, actually, I think that we were told, you know, stay at home on this day because the winds will be too strong. There will be a risk to life. And I saw, and I swear to God, I saw the alert on my phone and I was like, well, no one will ever get to tell me what to do ever again. So no, but Jenny, I put my shoes on and went for a walk in the park as a direct, like... You turned into Alison Pearson. I did. And then eventually, obviously, and then the wind was so strong, it sort of sucked the air out of my lungs. And there was a, oh, that was a very stupid idea. So then I went back home. And crucially, I did not write about it in a national newspaper. So I I find it really fascinating. It's kind of like my id is a columnist. (laughs) Yeah, you can't help it, whatever you're told to do. I have to say that online, she goes even madder than in the column that's printed um, in in the Telegraph. And also, to be honest, the Telegraph do at the very bottom right on the front cover say, but you know, this is a this is a serious situation. It does cover the weather properly. But online, I just want to read this out because it's so brilliant. She goes, she says this, no, no, we have been shamefully mistreated by our masters, criminally misled by models. I mean, uh, not kind of fashion models, (laughs) controlled and horribly hurt by unseen forces. I think she might mean the weather. And now the wily bunch think because they got away with it last time, we will roll over again and do as we're told. No. I mean, it's completely mad. I mean, some people like the like the heat. You know, there's some. Oh, you know, <laughs> some people are like that. Some people have, you know, they'll have a jumper on, and they'll be like, "Take your jumper off." No, I like I like being warm. So maybe she's just got like pituitary problems, and <laughs> you know, she can't manage her temperature in, in the way other people can, and she probably needs to take some thyroxine and hypocortisone, and then no, she's like, oh, actually, it is a bit too hot. I don't know. I can't explain why. Um, why she would deny this but what I what I can say is that you know she's obviously living somewhere some kind of bunker that is like got a massive cool bag around it maybe and she's found a way to protect herself from this heat so Shropshire she's like, yeah Shropshire <laughs> I mean it's extraordinary denial and uh, good luck to her I but mean it's, it's it's interesting that she's kind of basically she's trying to kind of ring the bell of conspiracy theorists isn't she mm. She no, no, but again, I think that's the weird thing where a small part of me has a bit of sympathy uh, in that, you know, it is true that we've just come out of a pandemic where actually we had to do a lot of things we didn't want to do and, you know, not do stuff we really wanted to do. So it is that there is a bit, you know, of my brain that also goes, oh, come on, like, you know, can we not just have a nice time? Like, like we've earned it. But again, <laughs> but the problem is, you know, then that, that's my emotional response. But after that, I think about it intellectually. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, these are not people doing this because they get off on telling us to, you know, not do things. It's just that, you know, the planet is heating up and... It's so, quite then serious. It, and then that's like, no, exactly. And it, and it is actually a problem. So it feels like a deeply emotional response where, like, the intellect doesn't come into it in any significant way. Yeah. Um, Athena, also, British people don't seem to be taking these temperatures very seriously because tour companies are reporting a surge in bookings uh, for holidays in kind of Greece and Spain, anywhere hot. As all the other Europeans are cancelling their holidays. We're kind of streaming. Absolutely. 45, 45 degrees in Mykonos. Come on, lads. <laughs> that sounds amazing. You know, of course not. And, you know, we, we suffer from a, a temperate climate and we've had this temperate climate for so long. You know, anything anything above 21. I mean, if, it, if it's 14 degrees in April, look out the window, there'll be top people in the park right so we have a very we have a very um interesting relationship with with the weather and therefore an interesting relationship with with climate change and now it's happening in places we've heard of we're like greece spain italy great and you know and then we come back and we have to have two weeks off work because our skin is peeling off our skin quite 
our skin is peeling off skin, literally, actually. So, yes, um, good luck to us all. Yeah, um, yeah. As, as the sun says, mad dogs and Englishmen <laughs> go out in the midday sun. It's very true. There's a lovely picture of Brits in Benidorm enjoying the terrible climate change. Now, how fubbing can wreck your marriage? This is a story in the Mail, also in the Times and the Sun. Do you know what fubbing is? It's not quite as dirty as it sounds. Um, it is uh, the combination of the word snub and phone. And researchers from Turkey have found that if you snub your partner by using your phone, it leads to, quote, more conflict and less intimacy in the relationship. Athena, can you relate to fubbing? Um, not really. What I can say is smartphone use has really reinvigorated our relationship, like me and my partner. <laughs> um, for, for example, I've been with him for four years and I held out, I held out, I held out, I held out. Then finally, finally, he added me to his Duolingo plan, right? <laughs> so, and it's like, so, you know, play the long game. So it's been great for us because now we, 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 you know, we congratulate, we play Duolingo and we congratulate each other and we, you know, we, we learn. What language like, are you learning? I'm learning French. He's, be, he's doing um, Spanish and Mandarin. And wow. Portuguese. Wow. I know, keep it social, you know. So <laughs> actually, now I think on it, it's starting to get a bit competitive. But, uh, you know, smartphones are part of life. There's probably an unhealthy way to use them, but I can assure you people there is also a healthy way to use them, you know. <laughs> say no more, say no more, but smartphones have cameras. But I've said too much already. But <laughs> people use their phones in their houses with their partners. Yeah. That's the end. Of, that's the story, you know, um, and that's fine. Um, and before phones, we just went off to the shed to work on our, our our cars or to build stuff out of wood. And before that, we went out into the garden and carved bones into daggers. You yeah. know, we all find ways to occupy our time without our partners. And it's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, Marie, li- li- newspapers love this kind of thing, don't they? especially because they can put two words together and make <laughs> a new one. Oh, no. So I think fundamentally, if the exact same press release had been sent to papers without a portmanteau in it, it would not have been covered <laughs> by anyone. But which is why I think good PR people know that, again, portmanteau will, and especially a portmanteau that um, doesn't not sound like it could be a sex thing. Like, you know, because you see fubbing in a headline, you're like, mm. should I be doing this? <laughs> <laughs> is this something new I've missed out on well, that you know, could revive my relationship? Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, no. So I think it, it is literally just that. And, what, and also maybe with a sprinkle of, a, ooh, smartphones, they're bad for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, they like so that. I mean, they love getting recipe. upset about etiquette, don't they, a little mm. bit? You know, like how, how one uses, should you have a phone when you have a meal, all this kind of stuff. Oh. I mean, I have to say, I live, you know, in a, a family of four, one's, you know, with a teenager and a near teenager. To be honest, the amount of times that we spend, you know, an evening, the only way we can, we can get the kids into the room <laughs> is if we allow them to be on the phone at the same time if we all wanted to watch the telly together they'd just leave the room they're not interested yeah. you, it's it's literally a social bond how I bond with my uh, teenagers is they show me funny things on TikTok I mean they send it to me but obviously I don't use TikTok so that doesn't really work but they show me things that's and great like, we yeah, used to nice. play mousetrap do you know it's just <laughs> and that game always broke and you lost the bits so I'd much mm. pref- I'd much prefer this smartphones are great for relationships you know what they're bad for they're bad for the press you know? <laughs> <laughs> they are really bad for news papers have we heard this guys so yeah any <laughs> any excuse to kind of say smartphones are bad they're going to find it aren't they yeah it's true i'm david Badil. i'm a writer and a comedian and a jew i'm saeed avasi i'm a businesswoman and a politician and a muslim jews and muslims always seem to be in the news or on the news most people talk about us and this is us talking about ourselves the kind of things that people say don't touch yeah. we are going to go there I mean, I think Jews and Muslims are talking about these things, but I think they're not talking about them together because they're worried that if they do, sparks might fly. A Muslim and a Jew go there. 
Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here at Papercuts, excellent headlines make our day. We love a great British fake-off. We're here to wake you up before you yo-yo, and we like to party like it's £9.99. So what do we have today? Athena, what do you have? This is a lovely story on page 25 of The Sun. The police seized the Ferrari, Rolex watches and £50,000 in cash from people who are uh, suspected of trading in illegal kind of facial Botox and face injection products. Okay. Okay. This is a this is the headline they've gone with, the fill face of the law. Oh, I like it. So yeah. this is where the money is. Fillers now. This is this is where the money is. We're filling in our wrinkles and whatever else we have in our face. <laughs> We're filling the vacuums in our face with a uh, with illegal bits, and it's, there's a lot of money in it apparently. Okay. Uh, fill face of the law. Fill like face that. of the law is all right. Yeah. Okay. What else have you got? Um, it's the Women's World Cup. Uh, football World Cup, I should say. It's happening in Australia. We're hoping to win it, as we always hope to win everything. Headline. <laughs> headline. Land of hop and glory. Presumably because there's, like, kangaroos. There's kangaroos. And if I was a koala, I'd be like, can't we just find some wordplay with climb? <laughs> you know, there's other animals in Australia. I bet there's a sick of hop beans. That's a convenient word for headlines. They're sick of it. I'm sorry, koalas. It's not fair. Oh, no. Um, OK, what do you have, Marie? Uh, so, in Her Majesty's Daily Star, <laughs> uh, we've got, actually, I mean, a, a cracking story. So, Katie Price, uh, when she dies, does not want to be cremated because that would mean removing her breast implants first, which she does not want to do. Uh, so, she she would like to be buried instead and uh, yeah so they went with Katie burials perfect perfect very perfect. nice because she's got a lovely pair well exactly and then in the Daily Mirror um, so we've got the story on the, the fact that Australia is putting out of hosting the Commonwealth Games um, meaning that its future is placed in doubt and the headline they went for is Empire Strikes Flack excellent and don't forget, we want you to give us your amazing headlines. Check our social media for the hashtag #FixTheHeadline, where we'll put up a great story with a rubbish headline. Tweet or thread us a better one, and you could win a Paper Cuts T-shirt. Woohoo! Now, on the front of the Telegraph and the Mail, we have a continuation of the Farage versus Coots bank story. In case you've forgotten, Nigel Farage recently had his bank account closed down. The account was at Coots, which is a private bank that requires you to have millions in savings to actually have an account. Initially, it seemed like Farage's bank account was shut because he paid off his mortgage. This is the kind of story that we were led to believe. He didn't have any enough money in there anymore, so bank account shut. But... Farage has made a subject access report to Coots and he's got 40 pages of documents back. And these say, and I quote, that although he did meet the economic criteria, his views, quote, do not align with our values. OK, so kind of Farage has been proved right. Marie, the front cover of The Telegraph is quite amazing, isn't it? I mean, it's a big picture of him in black and white, plus fancy curly writing. It genuinely looks like he's a war hero who's died. So it slightly looks like, you know, one of those like commemorative issues, like (laughs) (laughs) coronation or something. (laughs) We all remember where we were (laughs) the day we found out. (laughs) Yeah, the poor Farage has not got a bank account anymore. Um, But when you read the curly writing, it's quite amazing. I mean, the curly writing next to his commemorative face says um, he is, and this is a quote from the report, he is seen as xenophobic and racist. He he is considered by many, sorry for laughing, to be a disingenuous grifter and that he presents a material and ongoing reputational risk to the bank. So this is what they are arguing about. 
Um, Coots is a private bank for the establishment rich. It's a bit like a members club. So its reputation is important, isn't it? It is. It's one of those stories where I, I do find it slightly hard to get exercised about it. Because, again, I think wasn't there some stuff previously uh, hinting at the fact that he didn't quite have enough money as well. So I think it is probably at risk of being slightly cynical here. If he'd been, you know, Nigel Farage, but had an absolute ton of cash, I wonder if Coots had maybe, you know, would have maybe acted differently. But if the case is that he is, again, someone who doesn't quite fit in with the Coots brand, but also doesn't really have enough cash, then, you know, generally what's in it for them, I, I think. Is, is the question. Yeah, I mean, he kind of says that he did have enough cash, but it does but it does really remind me, especially because it's in the Telegraph. Um, recently, Sophia Money Coots um, described, uh, you know, go, saying cheers when you drink wine as a TBC, tiny bit common. And that's what I feel like <laughs> the Coots are doing about Farage. They're saying he's TBC. We don't, we, you know, he doesn't mm. fit in with us. He's not, he's not for us. But which, I mean, again, I, I yeah, I, the, the, <laughs> There are just so many things going on in the world at any given point. <laughs> and, you know, and, and I, I do really struggle to, like, desperately care about this. And it's not, I'm no great Coots defender. You know, I, I would not go to the Coots barricades. Um, but, uh, but no, it's, I don't know, he can just get a bank account somewhere else, can't he? Well, apparently not. He says he's been refused eight bank accounts now and is now, I don't know, maybe investing in crypto? We're not quite sure. Well, who, I imagine Nigel Farage coming to a shop with Bitcoin. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't know why he's so desperate to bank with Coots. Maybe because they've got a branch that he, that he can walk into and he's a bit too elderly to use the app. <laughs> yeah, it might be that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but he just, what happened was Coots kicked him out and he, he uh, received that news loudly. If he did it quietly, <laughs> if he just walked into an Abbey National or whatever, so show my age, but <laughs> <laughs> if he walked into a Santander um, and said I need an account they'd have given it to him but he has to do everything loudly he has to always make a point and now every, every other bank is like well, we can't have you because they know the minute they give him an account they were like hey guys this bank is right wing you know and they, they can't, so he's made himself toxic that's why it's hard to care yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Though? Coots is, is kind of on what the Telegraph might call a kind of wokeness drive driven by the new head of the bank who's called Dame Alison Rose. I quite like this because I'm fairly woke myself. So I'm hopeful that they might start offering accounts to people like me. If you're getting rid of Nigel Farage, they might just go, Absolutely. you know, you're quite woke. Oh, God, we should, we <laughs> Come should in. get... I, I just find the idea of bank and wokeness drive to be like, oh, great, I, I, I feel safer on the streets already. Like, <laughs> like how is a bank going to be woke unless you're literally putting money into the pockets of the disadvantaged? Exactly. You know? I mean, the other, the other fact is that obviously lots of people can't get bank accounts. There are plenty of people who earn kind of minimum wage. You can't really get a bank account. There was a film made recently... I don't know if you saw it called The Bank of Dave. And this was based on a true story of a man in Burnley who called Dave Fishwick, who basically opened a savings bank in 2011 because local people couldn't get loans from from normal banks. So they would be like, you know, they'd have a building firm. They wanted to expand and employ a few new people. And the bank said, no, you can't have the money. So he set up a bank in order Mm. to do this. It's really hard sometimes to get a bank account. Yeah. Mm. Banking has always been used to, disfa- to disenfranchise people. So, like, uh, for example, the Windrush Generation set, set up a system called Pardoner because they couldn't get things like loans and mortgages. Uh, and that was how they uh, individuals established themselves to buy property and stuff. Uh, so this is just... An- you're right, banks have always done this and now we're having this conversation. So let's have this conversation, but let's not have it about Nigel Farage. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> interesting, right. isn't it, that he has an ability to kind of put his finger on kind of button issues. Um, and he might not have a complete point, but he does have a point but banks should 
be a, you know, mm. we uh, people should be able to get bank accounts whether they're Nigel Farage or whether they're on the minimum wage. That's absolutely right. But in the meantime, Nigel, I've got a shoebox for you waiting. Stick it on, <laughs> put your cash in it, stick it under your bed. I, I feel your pain and I'm willing to help. So whenever you're free, come get your shoebox. <laughs> Now it's time to have a look at the paper's fun part, the middle section, where we find the hottest holidays, the coolest clothes, the biggest nights and the tiniest trends. All that plus at least one article about wild swimming. What have we got, Marie? Oh, in the Times we've got Felipe el Fabuloso, who might also be good at his job. Which, as a signage, I also say this is about the King of Spain, but that is all I want from life. I want someone to go, Marie Leconte, she dresses really well and is okay at her job. <laughs> that is in that exact order. Um, but no, so the story is actually inspired by a very long thread uh, done by a guy on Twitter called Derek Guy, uh, who's kind of known as the menswear guy on Twitter because he's a, he's a menswear expert. And he did this really long thread on how Felipe of Spain dressed dresses incredibly well and has this tailor and basically just dresses in the way that men of wealth uh, ought to dress because a, a thing that menswear guy points out a lot on Twitter is that actually a lot of even very wealthy men still dress terribly and wear suits that do not fit them at all. So so this is kind of like celebratory uh, thread um, which has been turned into an article which I would usually be uh, a bit cynical about but I think is actually just quite a nice feature that like he is a very handsome man who dresses very well. Yeah, and we all appreciate that. I mean, I have to say one of the things that has been pointed out by the menswear guy is that there's a lot of really good looking guys out there like like Daniel Craig mm. who dresses wrong his suits are wrong they're too tight he's trying to he keeps trying to show off his muscles in a suit which is completely wrong I don't sure. like it in that case just go topless stop being a coward <laughs> <laughs> yeah turn up to all premieres well, with just like here you go string ladies. vest maybe yeah. the shops he likes just don't sell <laughs> suits in the size he requires yeah I maybe well, well maybe not I, yeah. actually weirdly there's also in the Times too. there's a story about the um, fashion editors there who say look we're <laughs> like we're normal size for women we're kind of size 12 to 14 but we're being called XL by yeah. Zara and other high street stores. We've been having this conversation for forever. I feel like for, for forever we've been we've been aware of some shops who mislabel or label their clothes differently to maybe attract who they feel people who they feel to be smaller or thinner. And what I would say is, what's wrong with being next? Just it's a label, right? Like they're putting that label on on their clothes to put people off from wearing them. Well, play them at their own game. Wear those clothes. Go to linen. <laughs> go to Zara and wear that beige linen suit and walk around looking like a fitted sheet. Just do it if you if you really want. <laughs> to okay like it is a label I think it is wrong it gives people the wrong impression as to what large is and what large isn't they're not going to change they've I'm 41 years old and I've had seen this conversation so many times they're never going to change so just just wear the suit and it says excel but know that you're not excel yeah, and also, I mean, you know? the weird thing is that they, they, they never change within themselves, but they, they also change across. So, like, you know, you might be tiny in one store and enormous in the other. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. You know, you should follow the menswear guy, shouldn't you? And just dress perfectly at all times in well-cut suits. <laughs> this is how I, I'm currently, yeah, oh, God, no, we're being filmed now because I was about to say, you know, people can <laughs> see this. I am actually wearing a three-piece suit as we speak. You know, uh, we're all people. in three-piece suits. We're and Chanel. We are, we yeah. Are, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. The cigar smoke is getting a bit much, but, you know, we have to commit. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's another story that I uh, uh, found about weekend warriors yes. in the Telegraph. Okay, this is about supposedly about a study who's sh shown that people who do no exercise during the week 
but cram their weekend full of sporty activity, get the same outcomes as properly fit people who exercise every day. Yeah, I mean, last time I checked, we worked Monday to Friday, we had weekends off. So that sounds about right. <laughs> like, where have these people, where do these people come from? Planet, we do what we like when we like. Yeah, I mean, you have to, I'm pleased that working out on the weekend and not during the week uh, is as effective as working out during the week. But we work during the week. So that sounds about right to me. I, I think. think it's quite funny that they're using weekend warriors because there's two kind of interpretations of weekend warriors. Weekend warriors on one level just sounds like, way we're in Shoreditch <laughs> for the weekend. Well, let's get on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but also, I have personally been labelled a weekend warrior in my time. So about, uh, I don't know, a long time ago, 20 years ago, I played a... I played a game of tennis on in Brockwell Park and I snapped my Achilles tendon. I literally thought I'd been shot. <laughs> I was like, why are they shooting people in Brockwell Park? And um, anyway, it was, I'd snapped my Achilles tendon and I went to the hospital and they said, hmm, weekend warrior. And it was just because, you know, I was somebody who had been fit when I was young, thought I was still fit, played tennis at the weekend, snapped my Achilles. It's really common. I think it's a, I mean, I think it's a bit of a negative label. Like I said, when are we going to play tennis on a Monday afternoon? When we, <laughs> gonna leave my job to play tennis like where are you going we've got these accounts to do um so I, but also i do i um, my understanding is like for example on sunday afternoons and evenings Amy's packed with like sunday league footballers right so it it comes from that and you know it's a bit like there's a statistic about if you go to hospital on a weekend you have uh lower outcomes and during the week like why haven't we just constructed our services to suit our working week as we have constructed it. So, yeah, exactly. To cater know. for us weekend warriors. Exactly. Like Mondays, okay, don't get sick on a Monday because we're going to need those hospital beds for our sprained ankles. Okay, so let's just let's just change society rather than change ourselves. And that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thanks to Athena. Thank you, my pleasure. And thanks to Marie. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to follow Paper Cuts on your favourite podcast app. If you really like us, then leave us five stars on Spotify and Apple and a better than Beyonce and Taylor Swift review. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Paper Cuts Show. Links are in the show notes. Don't forget, fix the headline. Follow our Twitter and threads for this week's story with a rubbish headline that you can improve and you might win a fabulous and exclusive t-shirt i've been miranda sawyer and you've been listening to paper cuts on a day when a dog called dax went to a stockport pub and amazed the punters by standing up to use the urinal possibly better than most of the humans in there see you next time paper cuts was written and presented by miranda sawyer with marie leconte and athena kublenu the group editor was andrew harrison Managing Editor of News, Jacob Jarvis. Show production and edit by Sophie Black and Executive Producer, Martin Boytosh. Hold up. 